What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft Coffee. And I'm starting my day off with a cold cup of Strava Craft Coffee. And if you want yourself a cold cup of Strava Craft Coffee, well, head over to the DNVR bar where we have cold brew Strava Craft Coffee right there in the bar for you. Get yourself a delicious cup of this two-in-one punch. Not only do you get the caffeine boost of delicious coffee that Strava is, but you also get the benefits of the CBD infusement. And CBD helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on with your body. The CBD helps ease that, including the coffee jitters. So it's, a, it's truly a great one-two punch. And to add to that one-two punch, if you use the magical code DNVR20, when you buy from Strava Craft Coffee online, you'll get 20% off your online purchase. And if you like it so much like I do that you want it coming to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, you can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee and save 20% on every single order. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Get yourself a glass of Strava Craft Coffee at the DNVR bar. Get yourself... Uh, some bags of Strava Craft Coffee sent to you using that magical code DNVR20. And if you've already used that magical code DNVR20 and you want to subscribe, well, you'll get 20% off every single time you have the delicious Strava Craft Coffee. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. NBR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, guys, got to tell you about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who can bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. We have some people at DNVR taking classes over at MSU Denver, and they say just that, that the professors work, work in the real world, and so they bring that experience and what you need to know after you graduate to the classroom. They have over 40 online and hybrid programs and 750 classes. So make sure to head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer today. My boy, Mace, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm looking forward to this pod with you. I'm looking forward to this as well. We're here. We're ready to roll. In my world, the sun came up. The Braves won a game one in the National League Championship Series. Hey. Up one nothing over the, the stinking Dodgers. And since I know that quite a few listeners are also Rockies fans, I'm pretty sure that the Braves take the field this week in Arlington, Texas, at Globe Life Park, with the best wishes of most of Rockies country and maybe most of the baseball world in general to knock out the big budget Dodgers. So, long way to go. 
but it's off to a good start. 5-1, a big ninth inning. Needless to say, I was going crazy when the Braves put up a four spot at the top of the ninth last night. And uh, hopefully there's more to come for the Atlanta nine. In, uh, in the words of John Elway, probably, all of Rocky's land is cheering for the Braves. We've all got your back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's good. It's, it's fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's one game, but it had been 19 years since I'd seen the Braves play in a National League Championship Series. And uh, I know there are some people who say, who say oh, uh, put away the violin strings. You've been to the playoffs a lot. But, boy, uh, playoff failure has uh, become part and parcel of my October life. So do I allow myself to hope? Do I allow myself to dream that this could be the first step? <laughs> oh, you know. do start dreaming get excited oh. mace you are believe <laughs> oh i want to believe but at the same time they're throwing out two pictures in the next two nights ian anderson and kyle wright who did well in the division series against the marlins and ian anderson had a great start against the reds in the wild card series but these guys they weren't even in the picture for the braves when this season started they were in the satellite camp no one expected them to come up and and uh, do anything let alone pitch shutout starts like like they did uh last week can they keep that up can those young guys keep the keep the mojo going I, I i cross my fingers because i've seen very good and very bad from young ian anderson and kyle wright so we'll see i'm nervous every inning they're out there and kyle wright in particular who's going to go in game three that dude walks a tightrope i mean he he i think he needs to start pitching from the stretch because it seems like he doesn't figure things out unless he's got two men on <laughs> that's a tough place for a fan to be and may speaking of tough places for fans to be the sun rose for you and i but for some of broncos country mace it's a tough morning after watching justin herbert last night the chargers didn't win but man justin herbert looked good so mace i gotta ask you you, me, and RK did not like Justin Herbert coming out of college at Oregon in the draft process. Is Justin Herbert the truth now that we've seen just four games from him? Yeah, he is. I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but that's fair. He's good enough to be a problem. Yeah. He's good enough to become one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. This is the mea culpa podcast because I'm looking back at my notes on Justin Herbert from the last couple of years really and I'm thinking what did I miss was I biased against six foot six quarterbacks did that come into play in my evaluation saying okay you know six six is generally too tall there's such thing as too tall um did I put uh, too much stock in certain games like the Rose Bowl like he did not have a, a, a good game passing that day back in January. Seems like years ago, right? Yeah, for real. But he made plays with his legs. And one thing that kind of hit me last night is that maybe what I underestimate on Justin Herbert is his ability to find ways to, do, to get things done. Yeah. And, of course, then there are the, the exquisite passing, the placement, the ability to drop dimes. We did see some of that. And I remember, and, I, and looking back at my notes, that's something that I noted that uh, he could that he could place the ball inside a very tight window that he didn't need that in order he didn't need a big window in order to make a play and oh man he's 
He's good. I mean, ignore the 0-4 record the Chargers have with him. The QB wins crowd is out in force <laughs> on this. But you've got to look at how the games are going. If you're, if you're concerned about anything, maybe you're concerned about the Chargers in terms of their play calling, letting off the throttle a little bit with a, with, with a big lead, especially uh, – in reaction to when they kept their foot on the gas late in the first half against Tampa Bay nine days ago, had a fumble on, uh, on an exchange between, between Herbert and the running back who's filling in for Austin Eckler. And, you know, there's, I mean, and that's what started Tampa Bay's comeback. So, you know, I don't put it, but that being said, the blown leads, I do put more on the chargers on the defensive end than on Justin Herbert. And last night, in regulation, he did what he needed to do. The Saints came back to tie it. Uh, they, they tied it. Herbert responded with a touchdown. The Saints tied it again. Herbert responded with, by quickly driving the Chargers in the field goal range. Great play by Mike Williams. Part of that is, is knowing what your receiver can do and trusting him. And then Michael Bagley, the money badger, Missed the kick. If you're going to have a nickname as a kicker, and if you're going to trademark it, you better make a freaking 50-yard field goal as time runs out in regulation. So Justin Herbert, he did his job. And don't overlook the fact that he went against four teams that feature elite quarterbacks. Yes, Drew Brees is starting his decline, but he still got it done when it mattered. So – the four opposing quarterbacks to the Chargers in Justin Herbert's starts are Patrick Mahomes, Teddy Bridgewater, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees. Three out of the four are Hall of Famers. Even though I know it's really early to say that on Patrick Mahomes, he's certainly on that track, and we know Tom Brady and Drew Brees. The Hall of Fame selection meeting conversation for them is going to be about five seconds. Yeah. So, you know, this is a problem. Yeah. The sun does come up, but I'm looking at blue skies and a yellow sun, and I'm thinking those are Chargers colors. And uh, <laughs> well, Mace, I I hope we end with a uh, uh, we end today with a Broncos sunset to make everyone feel a little better <laughs> after seeing that Chargers sunrise. Because I agree with you, it's only been four games. But Mace, people, uh, people in in Colorado are saying Drew Locks the guy just after five and six games mm-hmm. if they want to bleed that over into this year as well, and and I think that's fair. But then I think when you look at an opponent, you also got to hold a similar standard. If you're only going to give Drew five games and say I really liked what I've seen from him, well, it, it's impossible to look at what Justin Herbert's done and not say I really like what I've seen from him and. You know what? I'd rather admit that I was wrong now instead of just push against it for years and years because Justin Herbert, he showed me nothing other than, boy, this guy can be good. And so one of the one of the ways I want to look at Justin Herbert, because, yeah, you can look at Drew and say four and one. And hey, I think that's great that Drew was able to find a way to get it done in those first five starts. But it's not fair to say, you know, Drew Locke's way better because he went four and one. Justin Herbert. 0-4. Mace, I think you pointed some good things out about how Herbert went against some really, really stiff competition. Uh, And I'm not trying to downplay what Drew did. Drew, I'm very impressed being, you know, 80% win percentage in his first year playing. So Drew, in his first four games, 
put up 22 and a half points per game. I think that's a more fair way of looking at that than just saying wins or losses. Cause then you don't have to take the defense into account. So in the first right. four games, Drew put up 22 and a half points per game. Justin Herbert is a 24 points per game. So a point and a half more than Drew, but not, not too far off. They're very similar in that through Drew's first six starts. Uh, and I am including the first game this year against Tennessee. Drew has put up, 20.1 points per game so justin herbert now of four points above that so we'll see what justin herbert does in his next two starts so both similar uh and in terms of numbers mace both very similar again uh drew lock uh of course last year in his first four starts had six touchdowns three interceptions uh had highs and lows of course justin herbert through his first four starts uh he's at nine touchdowns three interceptions and it's just incredible to look at some of these numbers that justin herbert has uh almost three 300 yard games including two 300 yard games a three touchdown game one interception game almost 300 yards that really reminds me of drew's game last year uh in uh in houston and this one right. happened just last week it was uh when he went into to tampa bay now of course he didn't win that game like drew did but then last night, four touchdowns and no interceptions. Just an incredible performance from Justin. Yeah, it, it, it was phenomenal. Um, went back, did some number crunching this morning. And uh, the first four starts, Drew Locke's passer rating was 89.4, which is it's, it's not bad for a, a guy who's starting out. No, not at all. Ju Justin Herbert's passer rating was 107.1. Wow. In those four starts. Would you like to know how many rookies in the history of the NFL had higher passer ratings in their, in their first four starts when they started at least four games in oh, that boy. rookie season? I would love to know. Or maybe I wouldn't love to know. <laughs> Deshaun Watson and Dan Marino. Oh, wow. Those are two pretty good players too, huh? Yeah. I mean, obviously the Texans are struggling, but uh, I think – I, I think it's going to be, there are going to be some sunny skies coming for Deshaun Watson now that the clouds of Bill O'Brien have parted yeah. and moved on from, from Southeast Texas. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Marino, I mean, the, the, Dan Marino got off to a start in the first couple of years of his career that was the best in the history of football until Patrick Mahomes came along. And Patrick Mahomes, of course, only started the one game as rookie. That's why you don't hear his name thrown out in there because we're talking about rookie quarterbacks here the year they were drafted or, or went undrafted and the guys right behind uh justin herbert are ben roethlisberger carson wentz and then rg3 hmm. and that's an example of a false positive mm -hmm. yeah exactly we, it is and there's no guarantee right and but, <laughs> sorry but i think we can also agree that there were things stylistically and things that happened that prevented RG3 from going to the next level. Yes, uh, of course, of course. And that's one thing that I've seen from Justin Herbert where he's not just relying on, on something stylistic like, like right. RG3, where unfortunately I think this is something that he can, he can keep up. Mm -hmm. And Mace, a really quick, an, another number that I, you like even more than, than passer rating is QBR and through Justin Herbert's uh -huh. first four games, he has a 71 QBR, which is of course very, very, impressive and mace you mentioned the false positive 
I do have to ask because it is only four games. This is something that Vic Fangio is probably hoping is a false positive. Why do you not think it's a false positive or do you think, do you think it could be? I think it's not a false positive because they're, they're not babying him. They're letting him run the full range of things. They're allowing him to do so despite not having a full off season. I mean, you think of what he's doing considering the environment that exists right now. No full off season, no preseason. He, his first start, he was thrust in unexpectedly. And I think it was perfectly logical to be skeptical about that first start because the Chiefs had done no prep for him. Well, now we're getting into the realm of teams that have some film on Justin Herb. The Saints had three weeks of tape to go off of. He sliced and diced them. Yeah. I mean, forcing Drew Brees into a shutout or a shootout, pardon me, that he didn't expect to have. Yeah. Now, yeah. The, the, the old guy who struggled at times during the game, the old guy still had some tricks up his sleeve. Yes, so, he did. <laughs> and, and the Saints are still the Saints. They're still a problem, and Drew Brees is still, uh, is still going to present questions that defenses are going to struggle to answer. But then to Justin Herbert's credit, by the way, without Austin Eckler, uh, you've got injuries all over the team right now. That's, that's another thing, Zach. People want to use the injuries on the Broncos as an excuse. The Chargers are just as beset with injuries right now. Right, right, exactly. So if you're going to give that to the Broncos, yeah. you also have to give it to other teams. And it doesn't seem to affect him. No, it, it really doesn't. And he was without Keenan Allen for, what, three over three quarters last, last night? Yeah, no, so think of that. No Keenan Allen, no Austin Eckler. Yeah. And he was still able to go in there and drop 27 points, force an overtime game against what I think a lot of people think is a playoff team and, you know, mm -hmm. against a Hall of Fame quarterback. So, Mace, just one of the things where I think Broncos fans, along with the record, will be trying to poke holes is the last two weeks, Justin Herbert has had a big lead. What was it, 24-3 to against the Bucs? Was it, was it that 24 big? 24-7. 24-7. Uh, blew that, lost the game, and then, of course, last night had a 20-3 to lead and blew that. Is that something where you're saying Justin Herbert doesn't have the ability to close out a game, or is there another reason for that? Well, we talk about the injuries, and the Chargers' defense is beset with injuries right now. And this is where, ultimately, you have to look at it and say, well, if you're the Chargers, maybe – maybe you've got to rethink just how you go about playing with a lead a little bit. But what's interesting is that they tried to be aggressive late in the first half against the Bucks and tried, tried to go for something instead of just taking a knee and going to halftime and end up biting them in the rear end. And next thing you know that the Bucks came all the way back in the, in the second half then, uh, but one thing I'll say to his credit is that when the chargers lost the lead, when they, were when they were tied last night against the Saints, when they were behind by four points late in the third quarter against the Bucs, Justin Herbert quickly responded. And that, that, Herbert and that offense quickly made plays. The Bucs took a 28-24 lead, and then right after that, under pressure, came that 72-yard pass to Galen Guyton with pressure bearing down that dime that he absolutely dropped when he was off balance. And then last night, the Saints tie it up 
And what's the next thing we see from the Chargers and Justin Herbert after they tie? He hits Mike Williams for that 64-yard touchdown. A cut, well, not There was an exchange of punts, but then he hit Williams to put the Chargers back in front. The Saints respond with Taysom Hill's touchdown. And then Justin Herbert does his job in the last 58 seconds. What you're, all, what you're asking is, a tie game, 58 seconds to go, get us in the field goal range. Under pressure. And he delivered. Yep. He had that pass to Mike Williams, you know, and basically his only A-list receiver available at that time. And then is it on him that Michael Bagley missed the field goal? Justin Herbert did his job out there last night. That was good enough for them to win. Yeah, and 50, a 50-yard field goal that, should be game over. Right, and this is in a dome, no less, in an empty dome. Yeah, the wind, the one-mile-hour wind from the north, south, east, and west should be no problem for any kicker worth his salt in the National Football League. Yep. And Bagley missed. So, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating if you're a Chargers fan, but this is where you have to look past the whole, the whole QB wins thing and kind of get, get to the heart of how that player is, that, that player is performing. Um, so, Justin Herbert is playing well. I think the other thing, you went through the stats comparing Justin Herbert and Drew Locke in their first four starts. And, some of, uh, and this particular stat that I'm going to bring up, some of that is tactical, but it is interesting. Drew Locke in his first four starts averaged 6.59 yards per attempt. Justin Herbert is averaging 8.48 yards per attempt. Mm. So close to two full yards more per attempt for Justin Herbert than Drew Locke. And part of it is that the Chargers appear to be taking the reins off in a way the Broncos didn't want to do, except in the Texans game. So when Drew Locke comes back, and I think we all hope and expect it's going to be this coming Sunday in New England, don't have the restraints on him. Right. Just let him go. Because, yes. you need, because the most important thing about this season is evaluating whether he can be the guy or whether you have to be in the market again for a quarterback. So don't have him tethered. Let him go yep. and, and get a true assessment over the rest of the season of whether he's the guy or not. Yeah, let him elevate himself or let him fall on his face, you know? It, it, and whichever one it is, we just need to know. Uh, we, we don't want him just sitting in a stroller the rest of the season, Mace, and then you don't know if he's going to be able to walk, if he's going to trip, if he's going to just start running. We need to know right now. So I, I totally agree. Just let him go. Let him go. That's what the Broncos Aww. need to I, I totally, totally agree with you, Mace. Uh, so this comes to the question, which could be really tough right now, Mace, but – I think it's important to look at this right now is how would you rank the four quarterbacks in the AFC West now? And of course, not throwing Brett Rippon in there. We're throwing Drew Locke in there. How do they rank? Because I think number one is obviously very easy. I think we all put Patrick Mahomes up there. But then is it easy or difficult after that? It's actually difficult because you can argue for Derek Carr. Yeah. Derek Carr is playing lights out football. And some of this is obviously the Raiders assembling enough around him. The criticism of, of Derek Carr the last few years wasn't that he 
was an inaccurate passer. I mean, since John Gruden came in, his completion percentage were, percentages are 69 and 70. His touchdown-interception ratio over those two years is 40 to 18. It's a question of whether he could be dynamic enough. But as we look back on it, it's fair to say it was the weapons or the lack thereof, the lack of, of vertical threats, the lack of, of threats that forced opponents to take the Raiders seriously on offense. That held back John Gruden, Derek Carr, and the offense. I mean, here it is now in gear three, and Gruden and Carr haven't choked each other on the sidelines. <laughs> they look like they're in perfect synergy right now. And, oh, by the way, because you have Henry Ruggs in there to stretch the field, because Darren Waller has emerged as one of the league's best pass-catching pass tight ends, and then – on top of everything else, Hunter Renfro. How much did you guys talk about Hunter Renfro in the pre-draft process in 2019? A little bit. Okay. I, I liked him. I, I, we joked about the small hands, you know, made the Austin Powers uh, joke about, uh, about Connie's circus freaks. No meds, you know. Small hands. <laughs> no, like cabbage. <laughs> we made that joke, but we also, over on the old Orange Blue 760, said – Hunter Renfro catches everything. You, you have to throw out all the metrics with this guy because he just catches the ball. He just makes plays. Well, yeah. Hunter Renfro is he, he's a he's a very solid threat for that team, and he's and even it's funny we talk about Henry Ruggs and the it's a, the vertical threat of Henry Ruggs because he only has six catches this year playing in three games, but he's averaging 29.5 yards per reception and defenses are already taking him seriously. They take Darren Waller seriously as a threat from the tight end position. Hunter Renfro takes advantage of the stuff underneath and is, and is getting yardage after the catch. And then, of course, Josh Jacobs is proving to be an, an effective running back, even though the per carry average doesn't reveal that. You know, he's, he's the power gear in that offense. So what you have in Las Vegas is a diverse offense that combines with Derek Carr being able to take advantage of the improved targets that he has but not lose his accuracy. Only one pick in five games. 73% is his completion percentage. So you've given Derek Carr better weapons, but he's still kind of playing as that guy who isn't losing it for his team. He just now has some dynamic threats. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why you have to say right now, Derek Carr is number two. Yeah, you have to. And honestly, Mace, but before we started this and before I did some research this morning, I thought Derek Carr was going to be number four because, and, um, I, and I knew he was doing good, but no, no, he, he's number two. And just just open your eyes, people, to see <laughs> what he's doing this year. 11 touchdowns, one interception. He leads the NFL with his 73.1% completion percentage. And it's not like Derek when – I, when I imagine Derek Carr, I think one touchdown, no interceptions, 201 yards per game. And, yeah, a, a 68% completion, you know, a good one. Uh, maybe, you know, a 95 pass rating. You know, he's, he's a solid quarterback, uh, but doesn't have the sexy factor to him. Well, 
He's got the mascara on, as, as we know. But, man, his play on the field is sexy, too. 11 touchdowns, one pick, leads the league in completion percentage, and he's thrown for 288 yards per game, almost 300 yards per game over five games. That's a huge sample size. 115.9 passer rating and a QBR of 81. Guys, if you were to take Derek Carr's name off of this, he, he, he would be in the MVP race right now. And, and he very yes. well should be, um, you know, Russ, Russell Wilson's having a fantastic season. There's other guys that are absolutely in that conversation as well, but Derek Carr should be there as well. Really a surprise with his numbers and with Josh Jacobs playing well, that the Raiders are three and two uh, instead of like a four and one, but you know, they're, they're feeling it now after beating the chiefs, you only expect them to continue to go up. So uh, I know it's not easy or fun for Broncos country to say, but right now it is so easy. Derek Carr is the second best quarterback in this division. And, you know, the right now it's really unfortunate for the Broncos, but they have two legit MVP contenders in their division right now. Yeah, that's a problem. By the way, it's funny you mentioned Russell Wilson because there are only two quarterbacks in the NFL so far this season that have had a triple-digit passer rating in, every, in five games this year. One is Russell Wilson. The other is Derek Carr. So he's not just good. He's consistent. In fact, sometimes watching him, it's metronomic. It's just he's, – he's making some spectacular plays because of the targets that he has, but he's still very steady. Yep. Yep. And, he, he's consistent. And you know what? That's actually perfect for the Raiders because – if you have a if you have a team where John Gruden is the coach, it's good to have that quarterback, that on-field leader who is just steady in his performance and steady in his personality. Yeah. It's yeah. weird how they how they've been through some bumps, but now you look at at the way they're working together and say, "Oh, that's a really good fit." And that's a problem for the Broncos. I mean, so we're talk, we we started this podcast with the mea culpa slash love fest for Justin Herbert. And I think we're both going to say he's the third best quarterback in the AFC West. And there's no shame in that, given the two guys ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, no, there, there, there's no shame in that. And Mace, also this morning, in fact, when we started this podcast, I thought I was going to go Drew Locke at number three. And the reason for giving him the edge over Justin Herbert, Mace, what, what would be the intangibles? Because that's one thing that I was skeptical of, Justin Herbert coming out of the draft process was just, is he that leader? Is he that guy that people are going to follow? And I know Drew Locke is, and, and I know that without a doubt. And I give a lot of weight to those intangibles. But just after the conversation that we just had, Mace, those intangibles are still there. Drew Locke still, still has the nod of intangibles over Justin Herbert for me right now. But if you're playing, if you're a great player, people will follow but people will follow you you don't have to be that fiery leader from the quarterback position in order for guys to follow you John Elway wasn't like the most fiery guy he wasn't like Peyton Manning where so many guys hated him John Elway was one of the guys and mm -hmm. I, maybe that's how Justin Herbert uh, emerges and Drew Locke you know ha has more of the charismatic leadership but you don't have to be the Drew Locke to be successful I love that Drew Locke is the way he is <sighs> But Justin Herbert, like I said, if you're balling, people will follow. And right now, Justin Herbert is just absolutely balling. So I give 
And I, I can't believe, because I, I really like Drew Locke. I really, really like Drew Locke. But, man, I guess you do have to give the slight, slight uh, edge to, to Justin Herbert. At least in my book, it's very slight right now. And it doesn't help, you know, the recency bias. Just last night, he threw for four touchdowns, should have won the game against a Hall of Fame quarterback. And we haven't seen Drew for a couple of weeks. But even trying to take a step back, man, it's – like you said, the one thing that really puts me over the edge, Mace, is that passer rating uh, where only two guys have a better passer rating through their first four games. Yeah, I mean, what Drew Locke did in his first four starts was good. What Justin Herbert did is amazing, even yeah. individually. And, I, you know, the, the QB wins crowd is going to be all over me, but I really don't <laughs> care. Um, a lot goes into whether a team wins or loses – my wife and I were talking about this last night because we had, we had both the, we end up having both the football game and the baseball game on. And I, and I said, you know, and you're going to laugh at this. If the QB wins crowd had had its way in 08, would the Packers have stuck with Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> nope. Aren't they glad they did? Right. Yeah. <laughs> they and, went and, six and yeah. 10 that year. And yet you, and it was one of those things where, and I, I'm, I'm analytically inclined, but sometimes it's just a feel. You know, you know the, the cliche about porn. You know it when you see it, <laughs> but you know a great quarterback when you see it. Yeah. Or you know, you know when somebody's got it at the quarterback position. And I, I remember watching Aaron Rodgers in 08, seeing one game in person covering when the Panthers played up in Green Bay, and then seeing some other games over the course of that year and knowing the Packers were in good hands. And you kind of – you know with Justin Herbert and the Chargers. You know what it looks like. I'm not there with Drew Locke yet. And that's – but that's – it's okay because quarterbacks do develop at different paces, but that's why the rest of this season needs to be about – Drew Locke and what he can do and whether he can be the guy and that and that's why as frustrating as the last eight days have been with postponements and all that if all this means that Drew Locke gets to play in Foxborough next Sunday then instead of Brett Rippon then you know what from the Broncos' perspective, it's all worth it because you need as much data as you can accumulate on Drew Locke the rest of this season. One more game helps, particularly against a defense like the one in New England. A defense that has players, a defense that has a defensive mastermind with Bill Belichick leading the right. way, and on the road. Mace, if he goes out there and has a good game like we talked about yesterday, three touchdowns, maybe one pick, 300 yards, uh, you know, 65% completion percentage, that's a huge sign for Drew Locke. And, and we, we, everyone would feel great on Monday, regardless of the outcome. If he goes out there and struggles, well, it, it doesn't mean that he's not the guy, but it, we're going to need to see a lot more. And so I, I agree with this game being pushed back. And I do think it now gives Drew Locke a chance to play, which is just huge. That's what this season is about, because in the AFC West right now, you know, we, we've always known the importance of a quarterback. But if you're going up against, three great quarterbacks for the next you know at least five years you're going up against six games where you have great quarterbacks I'm sorry but you can't have an average quarterback Uh, you you can't just wait till the second round to get a guy if Drew Locke doesn't develop you can't just go out and pay Case Keenum 18 million dollars you're gonna have to make a big trade 
you're going to have to make a big jump in the draft. You're going to have to make a, a big trade for a big-time quarterback, which doesn't really happen in the NFL all that often. You're going to have to jump up and try to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or Trey Lance if you think those guys are the guys. But if Drew Locke turns out to be the guy, which we will know, we will hopefully know, I should touch wood, at the mm -hmm. end of the season, then the Broncos don't have to worry about that. And, man, the AFC West is going to be – it's not a good thing for Broncos fans that there's so many good quarterbacks, but man, it's going to be a fun, fun division with four great quarterbacks. Shoot the whole AFC. Think about it yeah. this way. You've got Derek Carr playing well. And the thing with Derek Carr is he's never been bad. No, he got, he got, I mean, he got flack because he's a Raider. Yeah. He got flack because he was checking down and taking what was there when there wasn't a lot there. But this is still the same quarterback who, when the Raiders had something going on back in 15 and 16, in those two years, he threw 60 touchdown passes and 19 picks. Remember, the Raiders went 12-4 and four with Derek Carr at quarterback, and actually 12-3 and three before he got hurt and missed that season finale against Denver back on New Year's Day of 2017. So Derek Carr's got – he doesn't have the playoffs yet because he got injured at the wrong time, but Derek Carr's got some skins on the wall. Yeah. And he's, and he's still young enough. Uh, he's 29 years old to where you could talk about him being the Raiders quarterback for the next several years. We, and if he's working well with John Gruden, the sky's the limit. I mean, because yeah. Gruden's another guy who takes some slings and arrows from Broncos country, but uh, the Duke can coach. Yeah. He, he, he just needs to keep can. his he needs to keep his mask on. So let's look at the, so let's go beyond the AFC West here. Let's look around the AFC. AFC South is in a bit, little bit of transition, but you got Deshaun Watson there. You go to the AFC North. Ben Roethlisberger don't know how much time he has left. Still playing at a high level, but the Steelers as an organization, you kind of know they're gonna they're gonna figure things out. Like, right. I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers trade for Sam Darnold in the offseason, hand the reins from Roethlisberger to Darnold, and then keep on winning. That's just the kind of thing the Steelers do. Right. They've been a successful organization for darn near 50 years. There's something to what they do. And then you look around the rest of the AFC North. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow. I mean, Baker, Baker's playing well again. Yeah. Baker's back to being <laughs> – Back to showing that promise he did as a rookie. It's amazing what a coaching change can do for him. And then you go to the AFC East. Patriots, if, they, if Cam Newton has a renaissance, they're not going away. Wow. And then you're going to get Tua in at some point in Miami, although Ryan Fitzpatrick, boy, he is, he's holding off Tua like Tom Brady is holding off Father Time. <laughs> it's true. The inevitable is coming, but he is fighting his yeah. ass off right now. <laughs> yes, he is. And Josh Allen is playing at an MVP level in Buffalo. So young quarterbacks, Mahomes, Herbert, Carr in year seven, so mid-career. Watson, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and we'll see what happens when Tua gets out there. And, oh, by the way, if Jacksonville or the Jets gets the number one overall pick, you're going to uh, throw Trevor Lawrence in there. Uh, the AFC <laughs> as a whole is looking stacked yeah. with young quarterbacks. The, the balance of power – it looks like we're gonna we're starting to see a shift in conference balance of power to the AFC over the long haul 
based on the fact that the quarterbacks they're stack, the good quarterbacks they're stacking up are generally younger than in the NFC, where you do have a Carson Wentz, yes, but you've got Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford in Detroit, not a good team, but a very good quarterback. Well, he's in year 12. Yeah, all old guys. Russell Wilson is in year eight. He's kind of he's that mid mid career that guy. I mean, you got obviously you got a Kyler Murray in there and a Jared Goff, but there are more young, exciting quarterbacks right now in the AFC than the NFC. And this is what the Broncos are going to have to deal with. So, the rest of the season, it's a it's it, forget about the playoffs. The number one priority is finding out if Drew Locke is the guy who can stack up to the rest of this young quarterback talent that is accumulating the AFC. Holy smokes, man. We knew it was important. We've been saying it's the number one goal all season, but it just even skyrocketed from that level because of just all of that, and especially at home with your own division. Yikes. But it, it may not be yikes. It may be exciting because it may be Drew Locke is the guy. And, exactly. and I've seen enough where I feel comfortable, uh, absolutely comfortable, saying that there's a chance that he can be the guy. Of course, of course, of course. And, and I really like where he's at now. Uh, and that's, of course, what this rest of the season is about. Man, Mace, that was fun to go through. I, you know, the, the <laughs> listeners that are still hanging with us after that. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very, very fun. And man, if Drew Locke's the guy, it's going to be some great, great battles with some, some other, oh. uh, unfortunately good quarterbacks coming, coming through the years. And we're, and you know, we're going to see some of those battles coming up here. I mean, if, uh, assuming Cam Newton's out there on Sunday, well, there's, there's, there's battle. There, there's a battle with the Patriots defense and the quarterback headline game is lock headline. There is lock versus Cam. Yep. Locke versus Mahomes. Yep. Locke versus Herbert. Yeah. Heck, I mean, back to back. The, to the back. Falcon. Yeah, and then it, it's funny you, you talk about what's the the, le- the what's the one that has the least sizzle. It would be Locke versus an Atlanta Falcons team led by Matt Ryan. Uh, Matt Ryan was just the MVP four years ago. <laughs> right. And on and it's I kind of unfortunate for the Broncos that I think that they fired Dan Quinn because. Uh, I think it's going to rile the Falcons up just enough to where they're they're feisty, and then yeah. you turn around after that, and it's locking Derek Carr, and then it's locking either Fitzpatrick or Tua. But yeah, there we're going to see this head to head right there in front of us over the next several weeks. This is yeah. it's going to be pretty wild. Yes, it really will be. And if Locke makes it out of this, he's going to go against some very very good competition. So it'll be a great test. And man. If you want to get in on all of the action, well, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is your place to go. Guys, we're not even done with week five, and they're already rolling out their week six deals. Of course, we got the awesome Tuesday night football tonight, and then week six coming up. They're giving all new users the chance to receive a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. And on top of that great sign-up offer, DraftKings is offering odds boost every Sunday to help you make it rain. So make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook. Check out their huge odds boost, their awesome sign-up bonus. They're safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get up to $1 
thousand dollars. That's code DNVR to get a sign up bonus up to one thousand dollars for a limited time only. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be twenty one or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to five hundred dollars. Deposit bonus requires twenty five times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred. You know something, Broncos country, maybe you needed a drink after watching the way Justin Herbert sliced and diced up the Saints defense, knowing what might be in store. Maybe you need a drink after listening to us over the last 40 minutes or so. (laughs) I wouldn't blame you if you did. And that's where our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery are there for you. Of course, the official beer of DNVR, you can get some of that Avalanche Amber at a lot of places in Colorado, including your local grocery store or Costco. Of course, the other thing in Colorado is if you're in the Denver area, check out the farmhouse, the, re- the restaurant that Breckenridge Brewery has down at its facility in Littleton. It's right off Santa Fe. If you order your meal and beer from the farmhouse, use that magical code, as Zach would say, DNVR, and save $5 off your meal. You can pick up your food and beer at the farmhouse in Littleton. And of course, They've got the full array of Breck Brews, kind of like we have over at the DNBR bar. So if you want to get some, some varieties that maybe you don't find in grocery stores, get, make sure you get over to the farmhouse and get over to their brewery and pick some of that delicious Breckenridge brew up. 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. That's the number you call for the farmhouse for pickup, and they'll bring your order right out to your car from for you. Of course, that 15-can sample, we talk about it a lot. It's available a lot of places in Colorado. If you're not in Colorado, you want to where you can get those Breck brews, just check out the Breck beer locator on the Breckenridge Brewery website. Almost any place in the United States, in the lower 48 specifically, you're probably not going to be too far from someplace that is selling those delicious Breckenridge brews. So make sure you take advantage. Uh, Because of the Breck beer finder, I've been able to have some of those delicious Breck brews in places like Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Madison, Wisconsin. So even when I'm on the road covering the Broncos, I'm never too far from Breckenridge Brews. And you know what? I think I might just go check right now to see what places in Boston have those delicious Breckenridge Brews. Because I'm going to be positive and assume there's going to be a game this weekend between the Broncos and Patriots. And on Saturday night, I'm going to want some a taste of Colorado as I'm sitting there watching college football or watching a baseball playoff game. And the Breck Beer Locator will make that possible. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of the NVR. Mm, sounds good. Let's jump in and talk to our good listeners. First one coming in from LA Bronco 30. Greetings, pod gods. I'm catching up after some difficult times. It kept me out from listening to the pod for a few weeks. So please forgive me if I mentioned something you covered. First, thank you, Mace, for recently mentioning Hermit Ernest Hemingway's six-toed cat family. I have a six-toed cat, and anyone thinks she is a freak at first. It, then I tell them the Hemingway story, and then they think I am a freak instead. Anyway, just want you to know if you guys have any Halloween traditions you enjoy doing, whether you may or may not be able to do that this year. Favorite candy or movie? Parties? Staying in? I imagine Zach at home with his cats, dressed up, of course, greeting trick-or-treaters with a, my boys, Ryan at the DNVR bar, half-dressed up, half-phoning it in, and Mace taking his daughter door-to-door and then watching a movie that is probably above her age, age rate. <laughs> I don't know if it has happened in Denver, but in California, almost everything Halloween has been canceled. Happy holidays, fellas. Football season is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, Halloween this year, it's, it's funny. It hit me a few weeks ago in starting to prep for Halloween around the house with a kid who loves all things Halloween, as most kids do, that 
we've been able to pull off a lot of things and have them look vaguely like what they did before COVID. Halloween, that's really hard. I mean, I think uh, what we're leaning toward right now is uh, going to this uh, one kind of organized trick-or-treat where it's where literally you're going to have everyone who hands out the candy that's going to be in gloves and masks and everything. And so there's going to be no person-to-person touching you know it's basically someone in a wearing gloves hands a piece of candy and puts it right there into your little your bag or whatever and then i think they're calling it like a touchless trick-or-treat touchless halloween this is just what we have to do uh right now so it's a little bit different um but it's fun and yes i do usually take my daughter door to door and then when we come back uh sometimes it'll be a movie above her age range or sometimes it's just a sporting event. There have been a couple of years where, for example, there were it was a thir- it was there was a Monday night game or a Thursday night game. We just had the game on. We got home and uh, watched that while chowing down on candy. So, <laughs> gonna try our best to keep the Halloween traditions alive, but uh, it's it's really altered. I mean, think about like other holidays, like Thanksgiving, Christmas. You're with your family, right? Yep. There's not the same kind of going out that is as involved with it as there is with Halloween. So this is Halloween in a pandemic is going to be kind of one of those is going to be one of those moments that crystallizes just how different the world is right now. Yep. I think you're hundred percent right. All traditions are are gone. Unfortunately, when I was growing up, my grandparents would come over and mom makes them uh, a nice big chili. So I recently I've stopped by for that, but obviously, you know, grandparents can't leave, uh, they're complex now with with COVID. Yeah. Uh, so as I've grown up, also you know some parties. Those are definitely off this year. So who knows what uh, what Halloween's going to look like for me this year? Yeah, I, I just hope that uh, one way or another, it's back to something normal next year. Stoiler Plumbus, I'm with Mace, and that getting locked back makes the schedule change a net positive. This season is about making sure Locke is the guy. And I like the way you capitalize the guy because that's how I view it in my head when I say it. It's like a, it's a proper noun. Yeah. And building a team around him. Anything that gets Locke on the field for an additional game is a massive bonus regardless of competitive balance. I'm not at all concerned about having to play 12 straight weeks because that's not happening. COVID is still an uncontrolled spread and the chances of this being the league's last disruption are slim and none. And I think that's a very good point. And I, I know I pointed out some of the numbers uh, of, of the spread of, of COVID in the last, since the start of the regular season and where the trends are going. So, I mean, I was just, I, I put uh, my travel schedule for the rest of the season in like this little family calendar that we had. And I'm, but I'm thinking like, how many more of these games are going to be disrupted? I mean, I, I think that we haven't seen the last disruption of the Broncos schedule by a long shot. Yeah, I totally agree. Just because the the, the Broncos schedule has changed once does not mean it's in stone or Sharpie. It, it is certainly in pencil with a big eraser next to it. Uh, I think that's a really good point, Stoller Plumbus, is that it, it's probably going to change again. Broncos yep. squared. Hey, gang, I was looking through ESPN, and they had a clip of Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Williams reacting to what Fangio said about COVID. Oh, and then he comments on this and says, we already touched on it. Uh, he mm-hmm. commented this a little too early. So thank you, Bronco Squared, for uh, for checking in. Yeah, we think those guys were just way off base. The, the national guys, because they kind of just see see a glimpse or just see a quote, sometimes this is where national media often misses the mark when it comes to teams around the country. Yep. 
because they're trying to fly at 35,000 feet and see everything. They don't get the nuance gets lost of that. Now, that being said, it is, I mean, if let's, what if some players take it negatively because some guys did complain on social media? Uh, that's one thing that uh, I'm a little bit concerned about. And I hope uh, if there's any air that needs to be cleared, it gets cleared qu- quickly and the Broncos yeah. can move on. I totally agree. And that's a really good point, Mace. Yeah. Hawkeye Bronco. My boy. Sorry. <laughs> My Sorry. Boys. <laughs> y- y- you're free to do it whenever you want. Mace. I know. <laughs> I reflexively read it, but it sounds so much better. You. This schedule change, I think, helps the Broncos in the long run. Any game where they get Drew under center is more valuable than a week off. I also think mentally this could help the Broncos get up for this game and play angry. It brought me back to being a junior in high school. As a wrestler, we had wrestle-offs a couple of times each year to determine the varsity lineup. I grew up on a farm 25 minutes from town and had the guy below me request pardon me, a wrestle-off. Now, there's nothing that would make me angrier as a weight-cutting farm kid who now had to wake up an hour early to do farm chores and get to school early on a cold winter morning. Well, the challenger, a town kid, decided to sleep in and miss the wrestle-off. When Coach told me he was rescheduling to the next morning, my motivation to dominate was through the roof. Needless to say, I mopped the floor with that guy and wasn't challenged again. Anyway, I hope the players save their anger to take out the pats and that Drew plays lights out. Go Broncos and go DNVR. And I love every word of that. We're going to get a first glimpse of that tonight when Buffalo plays Tennessee on Tuesday night. We'll get another glimpse next week. And I hope that exactly what you suggest happens, that the teams that were inconvenienced play angry. Yeah, that's fantastic. The Broncos should take out uh, their frustration of not having a true bye week on the New England Patriots. I love that. And Mace, you mentioned tonight's game. The Bills going into Tennessee. Bills are a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. How do you like that game to unfold? This is not on the record. I'm just curious. I – I think there's something to the playing angry thing. And also, Tennessee is a good team, a playoff caliber team. Buffalo looks like a team that's going to be in the conversation with Baltimore and Kansas City to actually push for being in the Super Bowl. Now, a big litmus test is going to come up here when the Bills take on the Chiefs. But this is kind of the the first step. I like a lot of what I'm seeing from Buffalo. The defense is is one of the best in the league, obviously. And kind of like we're talking about with the Raiders having more weapons and allowing things to open up, Stephon Diggs has opened up the Buffalo offense. Give me the Bills tonight. Yep, give me the Bills as well. On top of all of that that you said, which I agree with, the Titans have like not practiced the past two weeks, and yeah. they've had so much drama, so much non-football stuff going around them. And the Bills are a really good football team. So give me Buffalo in this Tuesday night game. But that being said, don't – I mean, obviously the Bills have every right to be upset. Don't underestimate the notion of in a troubled time with everything going wrong, the Titans rallying as well. We already saw it in Major League Baseball. The Marlins, after their spate of early season COVID tests, being an embarrassment in sports at that point well the Marlins rallied and getting to the National League Division Series went farther than anybody thought they would this year so don't don't dismiss the possibility 
of that sort of thing happening for the Titans as well. That being said, I think Bill's anger is going to be more than the Titans rallying. And like you said, the no practice thing is really going to take its toll on the Titans, I think. Yeah, I, I would think so too. So that's the way I like this game, Mesa. I talked with uh, my buddy who's in the industry of sports betting, and he said he would stay so far away from this game just because of how weird of a game it is. So I, I totally understand all, all sides to that game. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Moving on to Mark IT Snatch. Hey, guys. I know you poo-pooed the idea yesterday, but DMVR just partnered with Brandon. My beard may spontaneously combust if I don't tell a joke about Philip Rivers' siring a baseball team and moving that team out of San Diego at least once an episode, Perna. He and Will would go ham over hosting a new show called The Master Debaters. Just saying. <laughs> You're probably right. Also, yeah. Also, since Justin Herbert has come up multiple times recently, here's his automotive equivalent. He's a Camaro with an automatic transmission. It looks good. It's powerful. It can be fun to drive. But at the end of the day, you don't have a clutch. He's a perfect fit for a Chargers team that invents new ways to lose every year. Let's see how he develops before we entertain how he fits in the QB rankings within the division. Oh, too late. Too late. Sorry, Mark. Oh, man, Mark. How'd you know what we were talking about? Oh, boy. And, well. of course, th these are these are ever-evolving ever things. And, and it's not fair to – you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we've given a lot of heat to PFF for is them not reevaluating Drew Locke as he's entered the NFL and proven their accuracy right. issues wrong. And so that I, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be stubborn. So we can, Mace, we, we can and probably will and should reevaluate this in four more weeks from now. I can only imagine Patrick Mahomes is still going to be one. Derek Carr, he's consistent. That's what we said. So he's probably going to be two. Has Justin Herbert totally fallen off the, the wagon? Maybe. Has Drew looked just so good that he has to be three or even two? There's a chance for that, but that, that's just where I want to be. This is an ever-evolving thing, so it, it, it's not fair to say what we said today is, is concrete, and it's also not fair to say, I didn't like Justin Herbert coming out, so I'm not going to give him any props <laughs> until he's you know three years in. That's also not fair. Exactly, 100%. Next one from Dan Burke. Hey, guys, I'm not usually that kind of fan, but do y'all think the Broncos were too hesitant to let Brandon Staley go? His defense has been playing great in Los Angeles, despite all the changes that came up with learning a new system this year, etc. Do you think they should have promoted him to defensive coordinator or gave him a co-coordinator title, passing game co-coordinator, etc., to keep him around? I saw an article where some league sources were polled on future head coaches, and they said Staley's name was red hot, and he'll be a head coach in the next few years. They could have let Vic be a traditional head coach, let Donatel officially uh, let Donatel officially coach just the DBs, and had Staley call the plays. What do you think? Well, I mean, it would have taken giving him defensive play calling responsibilities to keep him around, and that. And if they, the Broncos have been willing to do that, I think they could have kept him. But, uh, you know, they, they chose not to do that. I, I, if they couldn't give him play-calling responsibilities, then they did the right thing in letting him go because you never want to be that team like the Bengals were a few years ago, for example, with Vance Joseph. You never want to be that team that prevents your assistant coaches from moving up. 
That's yeah. it's just one of those things that it's the wrong thing to do. There have been a few organizations like the Bengals, the Buccaneers used to be this way where they were persnickety about letting coaches leave, even though it was a step up. And that's really how you end up having a, a crap name in terms of being able to attract assistant coaching talent. So if they couldn't give Brandon Staley the play calling duties, I think they're happy to, then you have to just let him go and accept it. But yeah, it's a valid question. And that being said, I don't think Vic was at the point after year one where he was going to, he was going to give up the play calling period. No, yeah, so. yeah, period. And it's not just that he would be jumping the defensive coordinator for play calling. He'd be jumping the head coach for play calling. Uh, in order for that to have happened, you would have had to have an offensive mind here in Denver as your head coach. And then you probably wouldn't have Brandon Staley because Vic brought Brandon with him from Chicago. So uh, good for Brandon Staley. He's doing a heck of a job, like you mentioned, Dan. Uh, but in this situation, it, as tough as it is to say, you know, you, you let a really good head coach just leave, it's the right thing to do when clearly your organization is built around your head coach being the defensive guy, so you weren't going to give up that type of power. And like you said, Mace, you, you cannot be the Cincinnati Bengals. You, you cannot do that. That is such a bad look. I'm, and Brandon Staley's rise has been pretty amazing. I mean, back in 2016, he was – in Division Three, at John Carroll University as their defensive coordinator and linebacker and linebackers coach. I mean, this, this is somebody who was really in the hinterlands of college football until the Bears hired him to coach outside linebackers in 2017. All the credit in the world of Vic Fangio for plucking this guy out of relative obscurity, yeah, seriously. and giving him and giving him a shot in the NFL. Yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah. Illinois Bronco, what's up, guys? The games played by our division opponents this weekend got me thinking. Are we the worst team in the division? The Chiefs? Well, Chiefs are the Chiefs. The Raiders don't look like they're joking around, and Justin Herbert has been really impressive in his first few starts. Right now, I feel like we're the little brother in the division, always getting told to stay inside while the big boys play because we're not old enough yet. Because you guys shed some light on this to try to lift my spirits. Thanks again for the awesome coverage. You guys rock. Well, Mace, we, we ranked the quarterbacks. It's now time to rank the, the teams. I'm personally, I know the Raiders just beat the Chiefs, but I still think it's easy. Chiefs are, are, mm -hmm. are the standard. Then you have the Raiders, three and two, and they just beat the Chiefs. Then I think there's a pretty big drop-off. Are you uh, putting the Chargers or the Broncos ahead? Because the standings right now would say the Broncos are half game ahead than the Chargers. Yeah, and uh, you could say also that the, 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 the single wins by both the Broncos and the Chargers are – are equally unimpressive remember the chargers beat the Bengals in week one because randy bullock missed the kick there that would have forced overtime in yeah. cincinnati and then the broncos beat the jets who i think we can all agree they're the worst team in football there are other zero and five teams but <laughs> and it also it also says a lot i think you, you look kind of at the juxtaposition of the Broncos beating the Jets and the Cardinals beating the Jets. The Cardinals are an emerging team. They're three and two, but they they're inconsistent like a lot of young teams. But if the Broncos really were going in the right direction, even with Brett Rippon, they should have beaten the Jets by more than that. I mean, it was 37-28. You win by nine, but that's a game that the Jets had a chance to win in the last moments. They were dry, they they had the ball, a chance to get a game-winning field goal, and then the Broncos stopped them. So it was a, it was a tight game, 
the Broncos let the Jets make more plays than they've made against anybody. Um, so it was a fun game to watch, but really a singularly unimpressive, uh, unimpressive win. Right now, I agree. There's a huge gap from the top two to the bottom two. I'm going to say the Broncos are a little bit better just because the Chargers, even with Justin Herbert, as we see, there's something in the water in L.A. that just, at least with the Chargers, and it goes back to when they were in San Diego, where they just find ways to lose even though they're the better team. They were the better team last night. They just find ways to lose. The Raiders, they're clearly number two. Are Are they pushing for number one? No, but what they have done is they have improved themselves enough to take advantage when an elite team like the Chiefs is doing just enough. Like if, if the Chiefs had two touchdowns get wiped off the scoreboard against the Broncos, you think the Broncos would be good enough to take advantage? Not right now, but the Raiders are. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And Mace, I'm also giving the Broncos the edge over the Chargers. And the reason is because the Chargers have had a quarterback ball out these last four weeks, specifically the last two, and they weren't able to capitalize as an entire team off that. The Broncos have not had a quarterback that's been balling out, and they've been competitive in in a lot of their games. So I'm giving, as an entire team, I'm giving the Broncos the edge there. Next one coming in from Butch Cassidy. I would never stand in front of a paraplegic and complain to them about how sore my legs are. If you make six to seven figures and talk about how tough your job is on social media, you are going to get criticized. But social, but uh, socioeconomic status aside, what the what that Broncos Twitter display reveals is that these players are capital S O F T soft. You're a one in three football team complaining about how you got the shaft zero fire. I'll ask it again. Where is the heart of this team? The leader, Kareem? Who? Justin? Who? Melvin? Phil? Dalton? Who? If this team does rally behind a leader and get a face to this organization, we are going to get our Twinkies who had the next five years by the Chiefs, Raiders, and Chargers. Culture is in need of change. In the words of Aqib Tlaib, all the dogs are gone. Name a non-quarterback player in the NFL who you would put on this team today that would bring the fire. Ooh, wow. Strong comment there coming in from Butch Cassidy. That's very strong. I'll say this. Um, I mean, not. I know you're talking about where the leadership comes from, but I mean, uh, not all of those guys were, were speaking out. I know Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, uh, Melvin Gordon both uh, had some comments about it. But I know, for example, Dalton Reisner uh, hasn't said anything publicly about, uh, about having things moved. And by the way, I'll bet you Dalton Reisner would echo what Vic Fangio said. Maybe the Broncos need to have Dalton Reisner talk tomorrow. Yeah, wouldn't be surprised when it's, when, when it's time to meet to to meet the media. Yeah, okay. Who who brings the fire, man? Who? Wow. Non quarterback bringing the fire from outside. You know, he, someone that you would bring in. Ooh. Well, the thing is, they had a, like a they had a fiery guy in Derek Wolf, and they let him go to Baltimore. <laughs> All right. On yeah. the defense on the defensive line. Oh, mm. You know what? Um, I would, if he were available, I'd bring in Richard Sherman. Oh, man. Even though he's at the end of his career. He's oh. getting toward the end of his career. He's a no BS type of guy. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's one that jumps out to me. And, he's, and he'd be a scheme fit for what the Broncos do because he's more of a zone corner. 
Yeah, I'm very, very curious to see how the players are going to react internally and react publicly to Vic's comments because do they take them like Keyshawn Johnson took them where it was, you know, an attack on his own players Mm -hmm. or do they take it how we saw it in terms of, uh, yeah, we're going to rally behind coach's message and, and we're right there. We're not going to whine anymore. Vic did say, which is important, that there is an initial frustration, an initial being upset. I think that's what we saw on Twitter was that initial uh, being frustrated by the situation. And then he said, but then, then you need to come back and, and respond well and not whine. And that's, that's what I think we're going to see, how the team responds after they've had a couple of days off and see how they come back. So I'm very curious to see how they respond tomorrow. Yeah, I am as well. I, I actually think the response can be positive. I think so too. I think I'm, so too. I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried, but you know what? You really bring up some, some good points, Bush Cassidy, and thank yeah. you for sharing them yeah. with us as always. Race City Bronco. Hey, guys. I might be in the minority, but I'm actually looking forward to the extra week for the Broncos. That gives us one more week for Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fan, AJ Boye, KJ Hamler, and Jerry Atakshu to return to the field. Plus, it gives us an extra week to prepare for the Chiefs since we've already implemented the Patriots game plan. Don't forget that KC will be on a short week in their game against us. That small advantage could be crucial. That's a good point. Even though they're focused on the Patriots, you imagine the coaches will probably do a little work on KC uh, this week since the Patriots game plan is already installed. Very good point, Race City. My question is about Justin Herbert. I was not impressed with him in college, but the kid looked good last night early this season. As a fan base, should we be concerned about an emerging franchise QB in L.A., especially with Patrick Mahomes already in the division? Well, well, we've given you your answer. <laughs> that, that, that is for sure, Ray City oh. Bronco. And, yeah, I think, I think you bring up some great points about the uh, Patriots game as well. Yeah, I, I don't think how you could look at what Justin Herbert's done and say he's not uh, a problem for the Broncos already. Yeah, and I think it's a, also a great point looking ahead to next week. Now, your focus in terms of practice is going to remain on the Patriots, but there's no reason why the coaches can't be focused on Chiefs prep this yeah. week when they're, when they're not involved in meetings and practices with players. They can focus on that aspect of the game plan and get ahead. Take advantage of it if they can. I imagine that's, what Vic, that's part of what Vic Fangio is doing right now. He said he was going to come into work Monday and Tuesday as the yep. players got off. I bet you Vic's doing some work on the Chiefs already. Yep, I, you're 100% right, Mason. Before we go any further, guys, got to tell you about WGT Golf, which is the most popular golf game in the world. It's the official gaming partner of DNVR, and it's my personal favorite. Just game straight up the past decade, and we want you guys to play WGT Golf with us. So how do you do that? We'll go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT Golf. That lets WGT Golf know that you want to play with us. It's free to download, so go to dnvrgolf.com to download it. And once you're in there, go to the Clubhouse section and search for DNVR3. That's DNVR in all capitals with the number three next to it to join our series of Clubhouses. We have hundreds, almost a 1,000 people in our clubhouses right now. And that makes it so much fun to play these tournaments with so many people. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT so that you can start practicing for these tournaments. We may have another major coming up soon, which will have cash prizes and some DNVR merch on the line. What I love about WGT 
is you can play for hours on end or you can play a quick round in seven minutes while you're waiting it, it, it for something to happen and it's so realistic yeah, I love playing at St. Andrews, Pebble Beach, Beth Page Black, so many real courses out there. So go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGD Golf and play with us. If, you want, if you're playing real golf, you want to look good. If you're playing WGT, you want to look good. And a good place to start that is with your teeth, making sure those pearly whites are indeed pearly white. And the best place to do that in the Denver metro area with our friends over at the Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. And they love Colorado sports just like all of us here at DNVR. If you go and check out their website, schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you will, you, you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. And like we've told you, this thing, this is more than just a token freebie. This is something that will be the best toothbrush you've ever had. And it'll also create good brushing habits because it'll tell you when you haven't brushed for two minutes. It, it keeps you on point, keeps you on schedule. I use a Sonicare toothbrush. I love it. Wouldn't use anything else at this point. They're a DMVR partner. They show us love, show them some love. So if they, if you go over there, make sure you tag them, tag us. And you know what? They'll treat you like family. We're a family here at DMVR. Green Mountain Dental wants you to be a part of their family as well. They'll even send you birthday cards, let you know they're thinking about you on your special days. Only 15 minutes from downtown Denver out in Lakewood, and they want you to know that the first step to good health is by taking care of your mouth. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist in the Denver metro area. Our guy LDJ checking in says, thank you, RK. You're so right. People need to act their or people need to act their wage. It's like I said to Stoke in our brief exchange on Twitter. So players like Justin, Kareem, Jerry, Judy, Vaughn, et cetera, when they're in the community protesting and speaking against social injustice, they're considerate of what people are going through. But when they complain about their unfair circumstances within the confines of their job and their safety of their bodies, that helps them do their jobs. They're whining and inconsiderate of what's going on in the world, which is it? Shake my head. Anyways, Justin Herbert is really starting to irk me because we rejected him when we were grateful we had Drew. Elway said, please, we said to Elway, please don't draft him. And that dude looks awesome. I mean, his arm is better than Drew's because I've seen that kid throw prettier deep balls, beautiful accuracy uh, deep balls as opposed to Drew. Now, I'll be fair. Drew is much better with pressure than Herbert is, but I mean, geesh, his average depth per target is insane. However, I think Drew may have better touch than Justin because Justin's short game doesn't look all that great. Man, I don't know. Why can't we take the football IQ and the ability to step up in the pocket and call proper protections from Brett Rippon and combine it with Drew's talent? Darn it, Drew. I believe in you so much, and I want you to work out. But, dude, Herbert looks legit, and he's not going anywhere. And then there's that guy, Patrick. We need to see more of your arsenal and step up in the pocket. And even though Herbert is bad about this, too, stop throwing it off your back foot, Drew. Just stop. I'm super excited for week eight because that's a huge storyline for Drew. This is the guy Elway wanted, but he took a chance on you because he chose to stay another year. Are you the guy, Drew, or was Elway right on Herbert? Hmm. We'll see week eight. There's a lot of wisdom there from LDJ. <laughs> yes, there is. And, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I do want Drew to stop throwing off his back foot because the thing that bothers me is, is it's not that he throws off balance when he's under duress because you see that. And 
great quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, for example, he's under pressure. And one of the things that makes him great is the ability to make off-balance throws. The problem is when you revert to some of those bad habits when you're not under pressure. And the other, and the other thing, I think, uh, I think Drew's probably got to get the ball out a little bit quicker when he gets back out there. And, the, and beyond that, as I said earlier, I, I, I'll reiterate this. You, you have to take the restraints off. You've got to let him run the full offense. And you've got to find out. And, come, and then sink or swim, you know. And that's the goal of this season, to know what you have in Drew Locke. So when he comes back out there, uh, you, you've got to let him run the entire offense. Yep, yep. And you got to find out. And honestly, Mace, the, this wouldn't be the worst team thing for the Broncos if he sinks. Now, obviously, you want him to swim. But the worst thing is having him hold on to a buoy and then you have no idea if he can swim or if he's going to sink. That's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't want him to sink, but if, if that's what ends up happening, it's better than, you know, grasping onto a buoy for another year. Exactly. The, wor- the worst thing that happens this year is if you still don't know about Drew Locke, but y- you feel like you want to give him another year without knowing. You, th- you need to know. You, you've got to know if he's the guy yeah. before you get an off-season decision-making time because, look, there are, going, there are going to be some quarterbacks out there who can probably help you if Drew Locke is not the guy. There are going to be some quarterbacks who can help and be available. I mean, what if Detroit finishes bad enough to be in the Lawrence Field sweepstakes? What if they blow yeah. it all up? What, Atlanta, the big tell on Atlanta was firing Thomas Dimitrov. Nobody was surprised about Dan Quinn, the head coach. Dimitrov getting fired as GM shows that they're blowing this whole thing up. Yep. So Matty Ice might be a casualty there as well. We've yep. talked about the Jets. There are, what I'm saying is there, there are going to be veteran quarterbacks that can help you on the market as well. I mean, there'll probably even be a guy like Sam Darnold available on the trade market. And you need to know about Drew Locke to evaluate him versus the guys that you could bring in. Yep, exactly, exactly. There's options out there, that's for sure. Yes. DTL checking in. Hear ye, hear ye. To all who hears this, Drew Brees no longer has it. I think it's time he hangs up his cleats. Well, I don't know. I mean, what are we talking about has it? Because uh, was I impressed with Drew Brees last night? No, I mean, he did not look like the Drew Brees of old. But Mace, that was just one game. That interception he threw was just awful. Just let the ball go, uh, and it was a bad throw. But Mace, at the end of the day, he still led uh, a game-winning drive. He still got his team to victory. And Mace, on the season, he has 71% completion. He's thrown for 266 yards per game. He has nine touchdowns, three interceptions, and 103 passer rating. I mean, I don't think he's lost it. I do think he's obviously not trending up anymore, but I still think he's a dude. He's still a dude. I mean, it's funny that we're having this conversation that we're, we're focused on, on the bad of the game. When they fell behind 27-20 and, they got, and the Saints got the ball back, you know what he did on that drive? Went five of six, marched them downfield. They get the ball in overtime after winning the coin toss, and of course they're up first. And lo and behold, 
He goes five of six. They end up settling for the field goal. But when it, pardon the expression, but when it was nut cutting time Monday <laughs> night, Drew, or Drew Brees delivered. We're talking about Drew Locke, sorry. Brees did what you expect him to do. Yep. So I think with, even, yeah, he is showing signs of age. I, I get that. And that is, per, that is completely valid to say that. He is 41 years old. I mean, let's just, let's just ease back on the throttle a little bit of saying that Drew Brees is washed and done. <laughs> yeah. he, he's not. He's still, he's still got a little something left in the tank here. And, yeah, he's, he's having to, to kind of compromise a little bit. Not, he, he isn't what he was just a couple of years ago. But this guy can still win games for you. This guy, he still can beat you. And, and he ain't Sean Payton. That's a QB coach combination that tends to be able to figure things out. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Next one coming in from the Big T, and Mace, stop me when things seem a little interesting here. He says, gentlemen, what a game of football I witnessed last night. Truly a matchup for the ages. I was slightly perturbed by the fact the Saints were all wearing gold cleats, so decided to root on the Bears in this one to teach this pretty boy white and gold bling gang what 46 Bear football is all about. We got to see a nice early back and forth and not one, but two Hunter Henry rushing touchdowns, as well as a whole lot of 335 Saints or 335 Saints defense with a quarterback spy on Matt Ryan all night. Bizarre. That didn't bother Matt Ryan in the first half, though, as he scrambled out wide on a broken plate and steamrolled Deion Buchanan in the third quarter for a 10-yard gain. I didn't know Matty Ice had that. The game went back and forth some more until the momentous third quarter screen game of the Bears was figured out by the equally familiar 335 nickel D of the Saints. Some clutch passes by Adam Thielen throughout the evening were nice, but not enough. As special mention goes to Patrick Queen, who kicked off Matt Ryan twice whilst the aforementioned quarterback spy and was the difference in the game. Bears go down at home 28-23 and of course this wasn't yet another random COVID rescheduling of the game but Zach versus RK in the DNVR Xbox Madden League thanks for streaming guys had little else to watch last night and you guys gave me a couple of tips and a couple of examples of what not to do haha <laughs> just messing fellas was fun to watch roll on to the next one peace out the big T thanks for watching the big T and thanks for the thanks for the great recap I think you made me sound a little better than I am yeah that was pretty good. I mean, so who was the Bears and who was the Saints? Uh, unfortunately, I was the Bears. Ryan was the Saints. He got me a second time. But, uh, man, it was, uh, it was a close one. It's fascinating to think about this alternate world that you guys are in because uh, you're seeing, like, uh, you know, a Bears-Saints game involving Matt Ryan, Hunter Henry, Patrick <laughs> Queen, yep. Adam Thielen. <laughs> yep. It's weird to see Deshaun Watson wearing uh, – wearing white and gold for the saints. It's, it's, it's bizarre. That's oh. for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. That good stuff. Good stuff. Threat level midnight. I agree with race city Bronco. The extra week is crucial to game planning against the antichrist himself and gives us a chance to be healthier than ever. That defense was going to be tough regardless of our QB, but I'd much rather have lock in the fold against cam than ripping against Stidham slash Hoyer. Against Tennessee, Locke was a one-overthrow today. Sean Hamilton away from us saying Locke is the truth. 
The Broncos need to be pissed off at the Pats for stealing the bye week and use Vaughn's mindset, quote, we're going to beat their ass, unquote. Well put. Yes, yes. Now, who says that, Mace? Who says that? If anyone's going to say that this week, because obviously it's not Vaughn. So who would it be? Well, even though he was one of the guys that uh, expressed his displeasure on social media, K-Jack, Kareem Jackson. I agree. And and maybe that's why he would be the one to do that is because he has been very public about how frustrated he's been. So maybe he says, you know what? I'm going to take this frustration out on them and say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a bold thing to do. If you say that, you got to win. Yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear that from Kareem. Yeah, me and too. I th- he he he's the man to do it. You it, it can't come from a young guy. It needs to come from one of the old hands, one of the vets. Yep. That exactly. just said, you know, gonna I'm gonna go into Captain Picard and Star Trek First Contact. The line must be drawn here, <laughs> this far, no farther. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, that's great. Hopefully Kareem oh. can do the same. Maybe oh. the dingo H O baby. Maybe. The NFL's poor handling of the coronavirus might get our superstar outside linebacker several games on the field in 2020. If 104.3 The Fan doesn't make him say, screw this. Screw this. (laughs) (laughs) But really, which ailing player on our roster is this wasted? Is this wasted week going to benefit? It's going to benefit anybody who either plays this game next Sunday or plays in a couple of weeks the rescheduled game moving the Chargers game to week eight that wouldn't have played so it's Drew Locke obviously but I think it benefits Noah Fant benefits KJ Hamler benefits Jerry Atachu may benefit AJ Boye may benefit Draymond Jones yep yep yeah you hit them all um Mike I think Purcell, I got everybody. I believe Mike may Purcell. have been questionable. Yep. Uh, even if they so even if guys don't play this coming week in New England by taking the bye from November and moving it to this week, you're going to have the chance to in the overall aggregate get one more game out of some key guys that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Of course, that assumes that they don't get injured in the future. And of course, future injuries means that there are going to be some players on the team for whom moving the buy costs them a game. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. And one last one from 54 foot tall, Andrew freaking Mason. We have to keep adding tackles and edge slash interior D line. Otherwise we'll not compete for this division. Even Carr is going to keep kicking our asses. End of story. Well, almost. Ever had a deep-fried pickle? I <laughs> know, but it sounds freaking amazing. What isn't good deep-fried? Nothing. I mean, I'm just trying to think here. I mean, like, yeah, what uh, even, even like, like, would be good. like, like country-fried steak. It's not my favorite thing, but it's got its, it's, got its merits um chicken fried steak um yeah uh well uh, this is I making mean, my mouth water just thinking of everything that can be fried i'm thinking of like deep fried fruit but i mean like i mean so like imagine a deep fried app like a deep fried apple slices are delicious yeah um i i bet you, you know what you, this yeah. this may uh this may kind of go against it, but I think one thing that deep frying makes worse is ice cream. 
because you ever had fried ice cream? I I, I have, and it's just it's not as good. Not as good. Just oh, makes I it, think uh, it just I takes think away from the creaminess. I don't know. I think deep fried ice cream. I think fried ice cream is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's really good. I would just ra- I would rather yeah. have regular ice cream. Deep fried peanut butter and jelly. No, that that actually oh. sounds pretty amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah, it does. I, I'm looking at the recipe for it. I'm like, oh my, oh, I might wow. have to try that. <laughs> oh, wow. oh boy, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> Man, that sounds good. That sounds good. And Mace, we have a buzzer beater coming in. Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> from Swede. Okay, guys, time to brush up on your economic skills. If a hot dog from Empower Field costs six fifty. But a hot dog from Old Mile High Stadium cost one twenty five in nineteen seventy four. What would the consumer price index from nineteen seventy four, given that the consumer price index today is three ninety? Mace, would you do the honors? CPI equals. Okay, well, let's see here. I mean, it's wait, funny he's I... he, he's giving it to you. CPI equals. 75. <laughs> there we go. Just finished my economics test. And when I saw 75, I could hear Mace's voice whispering, You already know. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. That is that that's awesome. Yes, oh. that is awesome, man. I had no idea where that was going, but that that was awesome. <laughs> you know, my daughter, my daughter does it all the time. It's like one of her <laughs> it's one of her favorite things. Anytime she hears 75, she's like, did somebody say 75? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh man, I love it. So like her second grade class now does it. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things. That's awesome. Little, it's something that's gonna live on forever. <laughs> Yeah, a little brightness in the COVID gloom. Yeah, 75. Man, that's something we all need. And man, I love this podcast. And before we get out of here, Mace, got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental Group out in Lakewood. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver. And we love them so much. We wanted to tell you about them twice today in this podcast. DNVR or, or Green Mountain Dental has treated us like family for a long time. So make sure to check them out because they will treat you like family as well. And when you schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive that free Sonicare toothbrush. No better deal going on now than taking care of your teeth and they hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. Schedule that cleaning x-ray and exam and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today. It's been an absolute blast, absolute pleasure, and we can't wait to preview this Patriots game even more. We will continue that tomorrow, so make sure to check us out when we go live at 9.30 Denver time on Everywhere You Can Go Live. And if you don't want to catch the live or you can't catch the live tomorrow, well, this will be in podcast form for you tomorrow. Thank you all so much for rolling with us today. Have a terrific Tuesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.